This is Further, a weekly show for the people of Harmony Bible Church, where we seek to revisit and expand on Sunday sermons with the goal of growing deeper in biblical truth that transforms our lives. Welcome back to Further. I'm Brenton Grimm, and I'm here again with Chris Carr. How's it going? It's going good. We're here on Halloween morning uh, recording <laughs> this. A little uh, unusual, but uh, happy Halloween, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. This is a little different uh, scheduled. You can tell my voice is a little lower here in the morning. So, um, Well, yeah. it's, it's also like 28 degrees and True. Uh, yeah, so it's not helping. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not looking forward to this weather. Uh, so yeah, we're going, uh, through kind of the hardest part of Romans nine. Uh, we are kind of on the other side of it. What do you, what do you think? How's it gone? I think, uh, at least from what I'm hearing, it's gone uh, pretty well. I've been, uh, pretty pleased with, uh, how things have come together and how uh, people have responded. I'm so uh, really thankful uh, that we have a church body that's willing to wrestle uh, with the word and to uh, dive into these difficult things and, and maybe to um, have our thinking uh, challenged. Um, and so I've uh, been, again, really grateful uh, for all the encouragement and the prayers. And I think it's um, been good for, for us to wrestle with it. And we're still wrestling with it as we're going to do uh, so uh, here today. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I think the response I've heard so far has been uh, even people that you know have struggled with these in the past. These issues, they're they're willing to to wrestle with it. They're willing to work through it and admit that you know Scripture is saying what it's saying. And so, um, yeah, on the other side of it, now we just need to figure out how to how to answer some of these questions. And we have quite a few today, right? So well, and. and- I just want to say we we've still got uh, plenty to talk about here um, going into chapter ten, and I think that uh, what we're going to talk about in the weeks ahead will be helpful with what we just uh, walked through. Yeah, good. Okay, so let's start out with uh, uh, you know <laughs> something not not super easy. So uh, <laughs> in verse twenty two, uh, Paul says, "Vessels of wrath prepared for destruction." Um. On Sunday, you made a distinction between the terms prepared and created, and you were saying that uh, that there's a difference between God creating us for destruction and preparing us for destruction. Um, so can you elaborate on the difference between the two and why it's significant? Sure. Um, so... This was my effort to clarify and to simplify uh, something that is, um, or at least theologians can make, a pretty uh, complex. Um, and and so I'm going to throw out a couple of terms here just to, to, to give everybody an idea uh, of how complex this can be. Um, I'm not one for using theological terms, but there, there are two positions called uh, supralapsarianism and infralapsarianism, um, which I have a hard time even saying those <laughs> words. Um, but basically what, what it comes down to is does, does God – uh, have mercy on some and harden others uh, before uh, he uh, creates the world and um, allows the fall to take place? Um, or um, does God uh, decree to save some uh, and not others uh, after uh, he creates the world and then allows the fall to take place? And and I should point out here that this is really um, – 
a logical order um, uh, in the way that we think about it logically happening. Um, and, and so the, the superlapsarianism, um, supra means um, above and the lapsum means fall. So is before the fall and then infra is below or, or, or after the fall. Um, and and so just to get to it again, and I'm already getting <laughs> in over our heads here, I, I think, but the question is really, does God create people uh, in order to destroy them? Um, and and so the position that I took is the um, infralapsarianism position that God does not create people to destroy them, but rather that um, he um, creates the world, um, ordains that a fall will take place, um, and then uh, he chooses to save some and not others, all of which are, you know, deserve destruction, and he decides to show mercy to, to some rather than he creates people, some that are going to be saved and some that he's going to destroy. And that's his purpose in, in creating people. Now, I, I've laid out uh, the positions there. Let me explain to you why I took the position, a little bit more why I took the position that I that I did. And I also want to say this, everybody, I've, I've been uh, careful to be pretty reserved um, in how forceful I am uh, or I have been with the positions that I have taken. Um, and I've done that to uh, um, honor and respect uh, those uh, good brothers and sisters who might disagree with me on some of these things. Um, and um, obviously, I need to teach God's Word the way that um, I believe um, that it should be taught and, and to say what what I believe it, it really says. But I've, I've tried to... Um, you know, uh, do so in a, in a, in a gentle way. Um, it, on this point though, I probably uh, would be stronger than on anything else that I've been, uh, over the last three weeks. Um, and, uh, for this reason, first of all, the word prepared, um, in our text, uh, doesn't, doesn't mean created. It means, um, to, uh, bring to an end. <laughs> so it's, it, it, it's really not the, talking about the beginning it's talking about the end so he's he's preparing them for this destruction and preparing them for what the end is is going to, um, to be mm-hmm. um, and then I think the scripture tells us again this is Genesis 1 and 2 God created people good and the reason that people um, uh, are sinners is because they that's the path that they chose and they, they they first of all choose their path to destruction and then God, um, after that takes place, he prepares them for the path that um, they have taken. Um, And then the final reason and really the the key one is what we see um, in our text from last week, uh, Romans 9, 14 and 15. Again, just a reminder, I think it's good for us to look at this. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So God's decision to save has to follow his decision to permit the fall, or how else uh, would it truly be mercy? Um, if his, you know, decision to save comes 
before anybody falls, then it's not really mercy. Um, mercy is again uh, his kindness and giving uh, giving us or not giving us what we we deserve. And so, um, again, there are people who who disagree um, with this, but I think the uh, position where we talk about prepared rather than created is much more faithfully faithful biblically. And I think it also is more faithful to what we see about God's character. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. Uh, it, it's interesting because we, we had talked about this a little bit yesterday, and so I did some reading on it. And I I think I had heard about the debate before. I kind of knew what the terms meant, but I think I had a misunderstanding of what the actual uh, controversy was. And so reading through it last night, it – it's it's interesting, but I think one one thing to keep in mind, and I think you you explained it, but these are all kind of logical from our side. How do we make sense of God's decree and Correct. how He did it? Um, and so we're not saying that He, uh, like in time after the fall, after Adam and Eve actually fell, then He decided He was going to sure. do these things. This was all pre-creation. How? You know what was the logical order in in his mm-hmm. decree, and so yeah, um, that's, that's a great clarification. Um, again, it's it's hard in these conversations to include all of the different yeah. <laughs> aspects that go into it. But I hope everybody, um, you, you just uh, heard what what Brendan is saying is like God is eternal; He sits outside of time, so He's not responding in uh, you know to to what we do. Uh, you know, in, in other words, the decisions that He makes that don't rely upon you know the decisions yeah. that, that that we make yeah. he, um, and, and so um, again we're getting into the weeds here yeah. and well that's um, a good point though that he, God is not reactionary to to us like he you're right he sits outside of time and the this the either position would still agree that God did ordain the fall in some way mm-hmm. and so we need to still be okay with with that decision right um, no that's good. But yeah, no, it's an interesting conversation. Yeah, let, let me just say, uh, wrap this up by yeah. saying this: uh, from a practical standpoint, uh, what I think is most important for us to grab out of this, and what I was trying to say, because this is what I I can hear people saying: is like, are you saying that God created people simply to destroy them? Mm. And I just don't. I don't believe that that is is true. I don't believe that that what it, what Scripture is, is teaching. Again, um, he does prepare people for, for destruction, and so when people rebel against him and they harden their hearts, he's going to use their hard hearts to show his uh, his wrath and his power. That's in our passage th- this week, and that's a hard you know reality. But that's what. The scripture teaches, um, but that doesn't mean that God decides um, or decided, you know, He was going to create people just to to send them to hell. Yeah, yeah, and I, uh, as we just keep continuing to talk about this, um, <laughs> I think it, it matters, though it really it, it does. does. And I think the the distinction there is that you know God doesn't send people to hell because of his decree. He sends people to hell because of their sin. And Correct. It's a, it's a very important distinction when we think about what 
what the God's, what God's decree was. And I think we're going to see this a little later. Uh, I'll, I'll bring up another uh, passage that I think will illustrate this better, but um, yeah, I think it's important to realize that this is, this is not the uh, people aren't being punished, punished because of what God has decreed. They're being punished for their sin. Mm -hmm. So, yes. Okay. On to the next one objection that, um, you know, our position on, on Romans nine and this whole idea of God's decree gets is, is, um, a response from second Peter three, um, and verse nine says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And so how do we square Romans nine with with Second Peter three nine here that that God doesn't wish any to perish, but but He wants all to reach repentance. Yeah, this is a great question uh, again, and a very very common uh, verse for for people to bring up in this discussion. But um, I'm going to give kind of two answers to the question. But uh, the first would be that we've got to read. Second Peter three nine in context, and this is a verse is like it gets, and people do this a lot with a lot of different verses. You know, we we just pull it out um, and just quote it, and and ask this question, but without really understanding the context in which it's written. And so, um, we got to go back uh, first of all to the beginning of chapter three, where Paul says, "This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved." So this is Second Peter, and and if we go back to to First Peter, and we see how he opens that letter, um, it's really important. He says, uh, "Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles uh, of the dispersion," and he lists a, a number of different places, and, and he says they're elect exiles according to the foreknowledge. There's that word again of God the Father, um, and so in Second Peter three nine, the people that he is talking to are are believers. And he's talking to believers about an issue uh, in in their day where people were um, scoffing that um, the, the Lord hadn't returned yet. And so he literally, verse 4, he says, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? Um, and then verse 5, Peter says, for they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens exist long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. Um, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the judgment uh, day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. There's that word destruction again. But then verse 8, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. And, and, and so... You know, he's answering this objection. The Lord hasn't come back. And he's saying, you know, um, God works on a different timetable that, that, than we, we do. Sure. Um, and then, so here's verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. So, so why is why is it taking so long? But is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach. A repentance. So the, the, that the word "you" is important. Patient yeah. toward you. That same you, verse one, is the beloved. The beloved is the same as in First Peter chapter one, the elect. And so he's not wishing that any should perish, but that all should re repentance. That's not 
all people. Mm-hmm. It's all of the elect. It's all of the beloved. It's all the people that God has chosen for salvation. Um, and I think it, when we, we look in context, it's very, very clear that the way that this verse is often used is, 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 is incorrect. He's not saying that God wants all to be everybody to be saved, all people to be saved. It's that he wants to give time for all the elect <laughs> to be saved. Yeah. Now, so that's Second Peter 3, 9. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that um, from what we see um, in other places in Scripture, that we can say it's not God's desire that people would, would, would perish. So um, Ezekiel 33, 11, um, God says... Um, and he's he's pleading um, with the people of Israel to, to repent, and he says to them, um, "As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live." Um, so I have no pleasure in the death of, of, of the wicked, and we can go to First uh, Timothy. Um, chapter two and uh, verse four, where um, Paul says that God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And that all there, um, honestly, is disputed about there, about whether the all is is all people or, again, all the elect. Mm -hmm. But uh, whatever position we take on that, I I think we've got to understand that there are two wills of God. There uh, is his decreed will and his desired will. And um, so in, in... there is a sense in which God desires everyone to to be saved, although I think it's better to say that God doesn't desire anybody to perish. I think that's more faith, that he doesn't desire anybody to perish. But his decreed will um, would be that some people will be saved and others will not. And then we got to ask, ask, answer the question: Well, why is that? I think our passage from this past week answers it. Why, why does does he um, decree that some people be punished for their sin? That is to show his wrath and his power and his glory to objects of mercy. So um, I hope that that helps. I think it's you know, God's desired will is for nobody to perish, but His decreed will is that some will in order to um, show his wrath, his power, and his glory. And and therefore um, – and, and people actually might say, well, that's, that's a contradiction. That's ridiculous. How can God have a decree will and a desire will that are different? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the answers to that um, would, would need to be that God desires in some instances more to show his wrath and his power – and his mercy to those who don't deserve it, then he does for everybody to be saved. Yeah. Yeah. That is an important, it's a very important distinction. And I think here, let's, let's actually go to the first um, submitted question for this week, because I think that that's going to be the idea of, of God's um, revealed will versus his decreed will. There's a lot of different terms we could use for these things, but um we had a question come in um, that is, you know, from someone that's just kind of struggling to to understand and to maybe even accept what what's being taught. And so, uh, what he said is, "What is the relationship between God, the Creator, and evil? 
is there a systematic way to understand this that is able to explain the Bible and our world in the context of character? And he kind of follows up um, the rest of it with the more I believe that God is sovereign, active, and good, the harder it is to comprehend all three of these to be true. And so uh, I appreciate the honesty in that question. And I, I think that this conversation about God having, you know, a, a revealed will and, and just an example of that revealed will, I think we can point to like the, the Ten Commandments. So that that is how God has revealed his how he wants his people to live. Mm-hmm. So this is what um, th- this is what he wants, but we know that we don't keep his Ten Commandments. So he doesn't. In, in in as much as that will exists, it doesn't mean that that is going to take place. Right. Now, we also see in Scripture that he has a decreed will, that he has this, uh, this decree that whatever um, comes to pass has been decreed by him. And so we see that in, we talked about it last week, but, you know, Acts 4, uh, Genesis 50, um, with, with Joseph, where he's using what people meant for evil for good. Um, and so all of these things, he's working behind the scenes, uh, to carry out his decreed will. And so in, in that light, how would, how would you kind of respond to this question of, is there a systematic way to understand, um, the, the relationship between the creator and, and evil? Mm -hmm. What, What would you say to that? Well, this is a really uh, tough question, and it's another very significant question. And I would I would just begin um, by just admitting that uh, evil creates problems for Christianity. So we shouldn't gloss over this. We shouldn't say that we have all the answers for why a good God allows um the evil that we see in our world to happen. It, there's no simple um, answer where it's like just close case. We've got it, you know, uh, all figured out. And I, I think it's very important that uh, we we admit this because there are people uh, such as uh, the individual who submitted this question who have experienced um really indescribable um, suffering and uh, difficulty uh, in their lives. And it's not just this individual. I know there's lots of people in our in our church body, not to mention in, in our community and, and, and then our world. But I would say this is that I believe Christianity has greater resources to answer this question than any other religion in the world. Um, and I would include atheism in, in that, that um, – you know, if there is no God, then we have no ability to call anything evil. And, and so uh, it's just survival of the fittest and you can do whatever you want. The strong, you know, wins and gets to do whatever they, they want to do. And so we wouldn't even be having this discussion if there there wasn't, you know, a God yeah. uh, to, to, to begin with. Yep. Um but then I would also say that there are other religions um, that have different answers uh, for for suffering, and 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 so one of the answers would be it's just you know it's karma you're you're suffering because in a prior life you caused suffering, um, and and then there is um, 
The other answer is like you just kind of got to grin and and bear it um, and just kind of get get through it. And, and that's that, that that's not really, really helpful. <laughs> There's no hope there. Okay. And and so Christianity the, and the Bible presents um, this um, idea. But I think reality is that God um, has good purposes in our suffering that he means to use for for our good, for others' good, and ultimately for his um, and glory. And so, uh, the Bible w- would say this: is that God's not the author of evil; that uh, evil entered the world when, first of all, Satan rebelled against God, and then he came and tem- tempted Adam and Eve, and they sinned, uh, and and as a result, um, the curse came upon um, the world. And so. All of the evil that we we see and experience can be traced back to that, and all of the suffering actually comes from that. Um, even the suffering that we experience that isn't a result of our sin. So things like um, cancer um, and uh, and you know other diseases that we face, uh, even natural disasters. Yeah. Um, th- those um, now God. God can use those things um, certainly, and and does um, to um, to carry out His plans and all. But they they don't, you know. God didn't do that simply just to do that. <laughs> um, again, this goes back to you know that His decreed will and His desired will, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, I don't know that we can fully grasp why. A good, sovereign God allows um, evil in the world, uh, certainly to the degree that that we we see it. I mean, right now, we we really when I mean, we should ask, why does God allow you know terrorists to behead babies? Like, I don't, I don't know that I can answer that question. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, I do think the Bible teaches us time and time again. We we see this again, Joseph. We see it, Job. We see it, Daniel, um, and ultimately see it with Jesus. That God can use the worst evil to bring about the greatest good, and and that's where I, I would go back to the cross, and, I, and where we always got to go back to the cross is like um, God is not immune from our suffering. He he. Um, he hates it so much and evil so much that he was willing to send his son to experience the greatest evil that's ever been done so that um, we can be saved. And, and, and so here's the thing. If God were just to come in and to destroy, wipe away all evil, that would mean he'd have to wipe wipe away us. Yeah. And, and so um, – Instead, he comes and his son uh, experiences the the worst evil, the worst injustice, the worst suffering that has ever been experienced so that there might come a day where our suffering will be no more. And so Christianity gives an answer and a hope that no other religion does, no other um, – philosophy does um 
so I, I don't know if, if again, I don't think that's going to answer all the yeah. questions, but yeah. hopefully it's helpful. Well, and a little bit of, of clarity in his question too. He did say, it seems to me from the scripture that God often actively sends horrible things toward his people. And he gives um, an example here of Numbers 21, um, where uh, God sent, it says that the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. And so he's kind of struggling with the fact that not not only, you know, does the scripture say that God allows bad things, but in, in some cases sends these things. And, and so, and, and that's a, you know, it's a common objection to, to this view that, that we hold to. And so it, it, uh, the other position then would say that God, you know, knows that these things are going to happen, but doesn't necessarily decree them that, that he's not necessarily, uh, you know, he's, he's given men free will to decide. And then that's how these things come about. And I, you know, I, I just don't think that that's a better answer to the question because I, I think then you have God who knows that all these things are going to happen. He still chooses to create and he has no purpose in them. And so from, from our perspective, if we have a God that decrees that, that bad things are going to happen, he can then work those things out. He has good in mind when, when those things are decreed. And so I think that can bring us a lot of hope. And I think you're right. That sees its culmination in the gospel that through all of these awful, horrible things, we have this amazing story of redemption because Mm -hmm. of God's decree that, you know, uh, bad things are going to happen, but, but his son is going to come and, and make all things right. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about the Numbers 21 passage real quick. Sure. Okay, because I think it's, it, it's helpful here. Um, the people of Israel uh, rebel against God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, they're complaining. They're, they're groaning. And this is not the first time. Okay? It's just repeated. Mm-hmm. And so God sends the, the, the snakes, the, his judgment on them. And, and, and so the reality is, is they all deserve – to be destroyed, yeah. at least all the ones who are rebelling, which is a majority of them. Mm-hmm. And so it's not um, it's not like God is un, unjust in bringing judgment on them, but not all of them died. And, and so God provides a way of salvation because he, he goes and he says, hey, Moses, take a bronze serpent, lift it up, and everybody who, who looks to it basically repents and looks to it. They'll be saved. And Jesus uses this uh, very story in John chapter 3, leading up to verse 16. Everybody knows John 3, 16. Mm -hmm. But before that, um, Jesus says, and and just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so will the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever Mm -hmm. believes in him will be saved. And and so... um, even in God's judgment there in Numbers 21, um, he provided a way of salvation for those those people specifically. And then he had in mind – like that – one of the purposes of all of that was ultimately to give us a picture and a point toward Jesus. That's really um, good. And so uh, – 
you know, to put all of that on, it's simply the people's sin. Like it, it was their choice. All, all about them is, is, is to miss the bigger picture of, yeah. of what God is doing. Now, I do, do want to be, we've got to be really clear um, here. And again, this is so hard to, to be nuanced here. I, I, I never want anybody to, to, to hear that um, evil and bad things that happen to them happen to them because of um, something that they have that they have done. Mm-hmm. In, in terms of, well, let's just use an example: somebody who is is sexually abused, like mm-hmm. that, is because I mean, I think that 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 idea um, and to give people that idea is in some ways evil in, in itself. Yeah. Um, and people who are survivors of abuse, they they need not to be made to to feel like or to think that they're at fault for that. That 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 is not um, on them. It's on the person or people who perpetrated against them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so yes, there there are consequences for our sin, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that the sin that happens to us or the difficult things that happen to us are, are as the result of our sin. And I just want to be really, really careful, and especially, you know, you talk about, uh, again, the abuse thing, but also about a sickness thing. I don't, I don't think that um, anybody who has cancer should think, well, this is because of a decision that I make um, or a terminal disease or, 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 or all of that. Now, I do say that we do know that God's still sovereign over that and that God in that evil has good purposes um, for that. If anybody's interested here, a great person to read is uh, Joni Erickson Tata, mm-hmm. um, lady who like 50 years ago, it's maybe more than 50 years ago now, was in a diving accident. She's been um, a quadriplegic her literally um, since she was a teenager. She's in her 70s now. Um, and she's got a lot of good, I mean, she's much more um, able to speak to this issue than I am and and a lot of difficulty, a lot of pain. And, and maybe I will I will finish with this. I just want us to be really, really careful not to wash over like God's got good purposes. And so, you know, you know, Absolutely. just, you know, in your, in your suffering and your difficulty, the, the, the suffering and the evil that we endure is to be um, grieved um, and um, is to be mourned over. And I think we, we see this illustrated by Jesus, specifically John chapter 11, as he's raising Lazarus from the dead. Um, and so let's, let's not like, let's lament that. Yeah. Um, and yet let's lament is, um, includes with it hope, like hope that God has a good purpose, uh, or good purposes in this for those who are his. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good way to end that. I think, I think that the, <laughs> there can be kind of a, a, an accusation and probably a true one toward, you know, the reform perspective on this, that we tend to be just academic in our responses in these things. And, you know, this is the way it is and you need to accept it. But you're right. Like we, we really, we should not gloss over the suffering that, that people have, have gone through. And honestly, there's, there's not much consoling I can offer in those situations. It's, it's terrible. We should, we should grieve with, with those who grieve. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet we should be able to give hope in, Right. And well, in God's purposes. But I, I think it's important that we start with our presence by being there, mm. not thinking that we have to give 
um, answers. <laughs> yeah. Um, that we we do grieve with those who are grieving. That we um, we face the reality of the difficulty and the suffering um, and the pain. Um, and then, um, a, as we have done that uh, lovingly and and helping people to see um, that there there is hope, but that hope comes through the gospel first and foremost. Um, and um, uh, uh, that we we have not only a sovereign God but a suffering God, mm-hmm. and then uh, really we start with a suffering. <laughs> he he suffered, and then as we we get His heart, then we can move maybe to His sovereignty and and how He might be using this for good. Mm, yeah. Well, thanks, Chris. I'm thankful for the conversation that we had today, and I hope it's been helpful to you guys. Uh, and thank you also for sending in your questions. We had some more come in this week that we just weren't able to get to today, but we do hope to be able to respond to those in the near future. So please keep sending them in. Chris, as always, thank you. And we will talk to you guys next week.